Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. So, we've been talking about this thing of joy, and I want to go over just a few of the things we've talked about to kind of keep us connected in. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the, the teachings if, you have, if you've missed any of them. But, you know, the essential characteristic of a follower of Jesus is to be joy, right? I mean, this is where we talk about this one verse of the, uh, we look at this place of where we said, what are we supposed to be seeking? We're supposed to be seeking the kingdom of God first above everything else. And what do we mean by that? We mean by seeking the kingdom, we're welcoming. It's not geographical. It's, it's uh, not situational. It's any place we're welcoming in our lives the rule and the reign of his kingdom. We're at inside of us. The kingdom is within you. It's this place of welcoming the kingdom to come all the time. It's our daily prayer. Your kingdom come. And so when the kingdom comes, here's what it feels like. Here's the characteristics. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we've talked before, this verse has kind of been our anchor verse, because many times we can say, well, I understand this place of being right with God or doing, having God motivate me to do things that are, are good and, and, and of Him, the fruit of the Spirit, of the righteousness. We understand that place of, this place of we, uh, that we should be marked by that as Christians, right? That we just, this good stuff comes out of us. And then we also know, hey, I know a Christian, I just love that Christian because he, this good stuff comes out of him all the time. And they also seem like in this world that seems so crazy and messed up, they seem to have this peace that I wish I could have in the middle of all this craziness in this world. And the third thing we often don't think about is, oh, those are those people who are always filled with joy, right? And for me, like I've said before, is that last one has just not been something I have really grasped a hold of, actually, most of my Christian life. Even though I've experienced it, I didn't have even names for what this was. But it's important to understand it, right? And uh, we talked about this place that the joy is relational. It is experienced in connection with God. And others, we talked about the verse where it says, now, what's the greatest commandment? The greatest command is what? Love God, love one another. And what do you say after that? Oh, you're really close to getting this. You understand that's true. You're really close to the kingdom of God. It's this place of understanding the kingdom of God comes in this place of relationship with God and other people, right? And we talk about joy is from God, and it's available because it's from God, and it's not tied to our circumstances. It can come in all circumstances, times of blessings, times of pain, and anywhere in between. It's available to us because it's a, the source is not circumstances. The source is actually God. And, uh, and the main thing with, that Chris talked about, which I love last week, is that we're made for this. We're wired for this. We're designed for this. And actually, if, we have to, if we're wanting to function well, joy is essential, not an add-on. And I thought that was a great, if you didn't hear Chris's teaching, one of the things that I thought in Chris's teaching that just stood out to me, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of people took different things away. I kept thinking about this verse all week of this place of the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I, you know, joy is this thing that it's, you can only get, you can't get so detailed in trying to get words out to make you understand it. 
You know, it's, it's not that part of the brain. It's a place that you have to understand as you, you, get, a, you get a description and you start recognizing it, but you, you understand it as you begin experiencing more and more of it, right? And I think this helps a lot because this gives you a, a visual of what it would feel like for God's face to shine upon you, right? You guys, you guys ever watch the, uh, sure, you do. If you're, if you're on the internet, you watch this because it's everywhere. Like the kids that are like in a, in a laying down or in a high chair and they start laughing and then the parents start laughing and they start laughing and it just, have you guys know, <laughs> I, I can watch this all day because it's like, I just can't start laughing. I don't know what I'm laughing. I don't know this kid. I don't have no idea who this kid is. But it's, it's this human looking, and I'm watching the parents as they laugh, and laugh, and, and, sh- and their joy is coming. It just starts reciprocating back and forth to crazy levels, and the kid will go forever, right? You guys ever had a kid that you try to, you're playing with them, and the, you're the parent, and you, and you hide your face behind the pillow? What do they do? I gotta see your face. <laughs> I gotta see your face. They, we're wired. For that, that's, that's God wiring in us. That we are designed to live in this place that we have this place of his favor, his, his face shining upon us. So, that is kind of all kind of getting us into review. And today, we're going to talk about the practice of joy. Um, I, I, I can't get, I couldn't get a good title for this. So this, is why I, this is the best we could come up with, but I think it's, it's, it's important to understand. I think for me, I kind of come up with this initial question when I hear people talking about, well, we need to practice joy. I think, wait a second, it's from God, you know? It's, it's like, what do we, what do you mean we need to practice it? Like, and so I can tell you what I don't mean by this. I don't mean if we do these three things, you'll have joy, Right? If you don't do these three things, you have joy. If you say things this way, it'll bring joy. Uh, if you smile, it'll make you smile more. I mean, this place that somehow we can produce joy. Um, and, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, you can produce this or will it. I don't mean that at all. What I mean by practice is this thing is relational. <laughs> and we play a part in this connection that's relational. And we have to, we learn, and we have to learn how to receive what we've been given through Jesus Christ, right? And so we can look at that in like pretty much anything in your life, you kind of learning that, oh, I've learned, I've been given this righteousness of Christ, and then you learn to greater and greater deeds that you're actually right with Jesus, which changes your whole way of living at a deeper and deeper level by practicing and learning how to live in that righteousness in Christ. And the same thing with peace. You learn that you have the peace, but you also realize there's a place you participate in a place of turning from worry and anxiety to God and experiencing the peace that's provided for you, but you're learning that as you go, and so you do it through practice. And so this whole thing of joy is very much the same way. We, we're learning to see, we're citizens of the kingdom, and we're learning to see with different eyes how to live in this kingdom, in this world that we're in, under the rule and reign 
of the kingdom in the middle of this world where we're learning to live in different ways. And so this place of maturing is teaching us how do we see joy, understand it, see it, and then receive it. Because it's, it's available to us. It's just God is wanting to pour joy into our hearts. Right? Now, you know, growing, it's this place of, that's, this is the, the place of relationship, you know. A kid grows in the things that he's been put in him, right? They're, they, 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 they've, you, are spo- you are made to walk, and so they try, you know. And, they, they, and then you, they, they begin going around, and you're, they're encouraged, and they're learning, and they're practicing, they're falling down, they're learning how to walk. Do you realize how much kids have to learn everything and how much it's tied into relationship, right? How many people have kids that don't know that sleep is good for them? <laughs> like, I don't know. You're looking at you like, I don't want to go to sleep. I'm fine. I don't want to go to sleep. I don't want to go to sleep. They don't know. They just know you. And they're fighting sleep, right? They're made to sleep. There's a lot of good things to sleep waiting for them. But you have to come alongside them and say, okay, I want to teach you how to sleep. Do not get out of your bed. I'll stay here for a while. Yeah. All the things you do, what are you doing? You're teaching them to start practicing how to sleep. right? And so this thing of joy, there's a place that we have to start understanding that like all things in Christianity, it's a participating thing that's deeply relational and if we look at Scripture, what do we see all the time is we say, you know, come to me, <laughs> there's the first part, and I'll give you these things, right? It's this place of the stories that Jesus tells. There's these two builders who have truth of something, and they both have the truth, but one doesn't put it into practice, and the other puts it into practice. And the one who built on a rock that's like the one who put it into practice is like someone who built it on a rock and it stays and it holds and it continues to stay. And the people who build on sand, they don't experience that, right? There's, there's this place of participation in how we learn in all the different things that we do. Now, I mean, you think about Jesus, even in the religious leaders, how much he loved the religious leaders. He broke his heart, desired for them to experience the life that he had. He wanted to have them come under his wing like a hen would have chicks come under their, their have like chicks would come under the hen's wing and be cared for, right? He wanted that for them, but they refused it, right? So sometimes we can just miss it. Sometimes we can actually refuse it. And so there's this place of learning it, you know. Now, today we're going to be talking about a story that is just a great story of kind of a a picture of joy, one that you're all pretty familiar with because you're in America and we have Christmas stories and you probably know these even if you had not been on church much. But this is in Luke 1. And I'm going to set the context up for just a little bit for this story because it's kind of important. So in Luke 1, there's this couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and they are faithfully following God and they long for a child but they're old. They're as old as me. (laughs) And not as old as Debbie. They are as old as Debbie and me. And back then, that was really old. That was really old. 
And so the thing about it is they were, they were old, and they, so they'd been already realized they've passed that window, and they've been in that spot of adjusting for this for the last 20 or 30 years, even though it's their prayer. And uh, so as, as I think about this story, I, the, the interesting thing, he's, he's now old, and he's a priest, and so he goes into the temple... I know you guys aren't thinking about what I'm saying. Like, hmm, damn, when does that go by? Will David say something about the ambulance? Yeah. Pray for those people. You guys do that with your kids? We pray for that ambulance in Jesus' name. You like that, don't you? We, we pray for Tabby. We say ambulance, we pray for Tabby and the ambulance without going to at the same time. Um, so, if you can imagine this, is that he goes into the temple, you know, routine, but he's it's like people are outside worshiping. And he goes to burn incense right in front of the Holy of Holies at the golden altar, okay? And so he's, here's people worshiping and praying all around him. He goes in by himself. He sits there. He's doing his routine. And all of a sudden, this angel shows up, <laughs> freaks out his voice, tells him to calm down, not be afraid. And then he goes and he talks to him. And he says, your prayer's been heard. I'm guessing he's like, what prayer was that? You know, like, because I'm not sure you've been praying that real recently. He says, your prayer's been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and he'll call him John. Of course, it'll be John the Baptist. And he'll be the joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. And you know what he said? How can I be sure of this? You're in a temple. You're at the golden altar. There's people praying around you, and an angel's there. And you've been praying this prayer most of your life. <laughs> How can I be sure? And he says, well, didn't necessarily want you to do this, but you're not going to talk. You're going to mute until it happens. That way you'll be sure. Like, oops. <laughs> so uh, he uh, walks out. And if you, just, you got a good picture of the scene, you know. So your husband's like, eyes this big. Everybody's wondering what's going on. Can't talk. Gets you home. Starts writing this stuff out. And Elizabeth is watching this like, Whoa, you know, just I can't imagine how communication's hard enough in marriage, but this is this is like a whole nother level, right? So here's what we find is that we at this point is we see Elizabeth, you know, she we don't know exactly what her process was, but she stayed in seclusion for for five months with a husband that didn't talk. So either she had a horrible time or she had a really good time with Jesus, my thinking is, right? And I kind of lean towards the other. We don't know. But I have a feeling that, especially when she became pregnant, it's like, whoa. <laughs> and she is, knows Jesus. She knows God, you know? And so she's, she's connecting in this deep way as she goes through this. And, um, and then we think about... So, that's happening, and now her relative, Mary, which to make it simpler, we'll call her her niece. It's, it's complex. It's some kind of relative connected, very tight, but it's like an older aunt Elizabeth would have been. And uh, she knows Elizabeth, but she, and so that's the connection. But, but she, knows, she didn't know anything was going on with Elizabeth. And then Mary, this angel, shows up to her, very young, gal, and she says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and power from the Most High will overshadow you, and the Holy One, uh, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, 
That would be a hard one to take in. It's interesting, here's what he's, the angel said. He says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said it was unable to conceive is six months pregnant. And here's interesting. Here's her response. Mary says, may your will be fulfilled. That's a pretty wild one to take in. I don't know what this means. <laughs> her mind couldn't probably get around it but she stayed humble and soft and receptive to what the angel said. So what would you do if you were Mary at this point and you have this information? I would say, I got to talk to my, I got to talk to Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know, I don't know what this really means. And so here's where we pick up the story. Is at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town and hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, this, oftentimes when we hear this story in the Christmas story or we've heard this story, it's just a, it, we just kind of whoosh by it. You know, like all these nice things happen. But you have to realize, if you were Mary, we, we dehumanize these stories oftentimes and idealize them, especially sometimes it's Mary because she's such an amazing woman. But the reality is she's a human. She's had a human who's just encountered a large angel telling her she is a virgin, but she's going to become pregnant. And this guy, this son is actually going to change all the whole world. And I mean, you got to go, you got to realize what, that's a hard story to repeat to someone, right? Hey, what's going on? I'll tell you, I have this angel. It's very complicated, right? There's all kinds of social connections, like the thing of, I'm not married. What will this mean? What will it just mean? I mean, all these things are just flying through her head. Have you guys ever had a time that you just got to tell somebody? It's gotten to that point that I got. I can't be this alone. I don't care who. You look like a nice person. I'll tell you, right? I've had those times, right? I think this is kind of where Mary's like, I, six months pregnant, miraculously. We're, that's close enough. We're, we're, I'm getting to. I'm getting to Elizabeth's house. So imagine in going. Imagine her going and thinking. How is someone she respects like Elizabeth going to respond to me? Like, what's going to happen when I see her, when I start telling her? How is she going to, what's this going to be like? Plus, mixed in with all, what does this mean for me ahead? And just the, I would imagine the turmoil and the emotions that were going on at this moment. So now she comes in the house, and she greets Elizabeth. It's Mary. This is this moment, and here's what happens. Now, put yourself in Mary's position and Elizabeth's position, who's been hanging out for five months without talking to anybody, but yet probably connecting to God a lot. And it says that Elizabeth is filled with this awe and wonder and joy that God has shown favor on her. So she's very much in that place at this point. And here's what happens. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among the women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed 
that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Man, you put yourself in that spot. And hearing Elizabeth, this woman that you love and is probably a mentor to you, saying, I'm in the presence of you, the Savior is in you. I mean, just everything. It's just this place. And then Mary is like, the best way to describe this, it's like things just start happening around the room. It's, it goes from one to the other. It's like electrical connections all the way around. This joy is just spreading. And now Mary, here's Mary's response. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my Savior. For he has been mindful of his humble servant, and she continues on, which I'd encourage you to read today. Just go and read the rest, because it's just, just her glorifying God for, in this moment of joy. So, you think about that. They, they ended up probably staying around for, I think they stayed around for three more months together. And uh, uh, to think about what that was like after she hung around. Now, what we see in this is we see a lot of joy. Um, we see that there is choices being made all the way through. That's the places of choosing to receive. And we see the effect being significant. So again, what we look in this is, do you see, see joy in this, right? Joy is what? Relational. Do you feel that? Like once the words even came out and they connected, it just opened up all the circuits and, and God just began moving in that relationship, right? It's very relational. You know, it's in the middle of everything. It's not in a temple, not in a worship service. It's just in a house with two people who know each other and love each other. And it can happen anywhere. It's with, in the middle of all the... You don't, think, uh, you don't think Elizabeth had questions about, how do I raise a child uh, in my 70s at that day and age? You don't think... Uh, Mary's not thinking about, what will this mean for me with my, with, with my husband, with, with, with Joseph? What, what, what will this mean for my life? Will, all those things are really big things and really lots of room for fears, all kinds of things to come in. But instead... We see joy coming in. It's relational. You know, I, I think about um, this thing of, if you think about that, that, that verse we talked about in Numbers, is this is the face shining upon him. <laughs> it's like the face of God came in this place and the presence of God in all his favor just shined on them. Yeah. It's not limited to a location. And I think it's, here's the thing I'd say is, I think that we, the thing we don't sometimes know about joy is it's something we, that God, we long for, that God wants us to have, but it is transformational, Right? 
I want to go through a few things that will be helpful here. The, let me just say a little bit more about the transformation before we get into this. As you think about this story, have you guys ever thought about Mary and think, she seemed kind of superhuman? You know, like, maybe the Catholic Church has some of this right. I mean, I, I mean like we somehow, but if we, sometimes Protestants kind of don't think that. I think, wow, how did she stay? She was young, right? And she went through so much stuff. How did she do so well? You know, I think, it's, I think a lot of how Mary did had to do with this long, extended stay with Elizabeth afterwards. I think they just had, they had three months of just presence and joy. And I think it shaped the very way they were able to be the mothers that God had for them to be. To so John the Baptist, who didn't have exactly an easy life. But let's just focus on Mary for a little bit. Putting that into, just putting that in the back of your mind as far as how the power of transformation of joy of how you see life, we see that in Mary so quickly. You know, we have this Christmas story about she's all beat up, she's gone from, she had to walk, to, you know, drudge, she's in a barn, it's horrible, which is all true, right? But the thing I love about the Christmas story is that she's, after the angels come, she's just like sitting there just, what's she doing? She's just treasuring these things in her heart. She can feel the joy of God in the whole package, right? How did she go to have to be escaped to Egypt? She lost her husband early. She watched Jesus go through pain and suffering. But is able, how was she able to be so present? In all situations, the joys of Jesus' ministries and in front of him when he was dying on the cross when other people couldn't bear to go because she understood and practiced joy. And it gave her a whole different way of looking at life. Joy is transformational. So, and practically, just to repeat, practicing joy is learning to choose joy, first off, understanding, recognizing that it's essential, that the desire you have for it is not like, oh, I'll never get it, you know? That's only for a few. This is... This is a God-given desire that he wants to give you more and more joy, right? Kind of just take that in. That's how he feels about you. He wants to give you more and more joy, regardless of circumstances. And remember, joy is relational. So understand that those people around you are directly tied in how you see them to joy. And especially the way you see God. And, and, and those two relationships are where you're going to find this. That's where you're going to find the kingdom of God. So with that in mind, I have two things that I'm going to just kind of end with that will help us, I think, just practically, which we've touched on some, but just kind of lean into a little bit more. Is once we have that perspective, I would say, how do you begin practicing joy and letting it become something that God has for you. More and more. And I would say gratitude. Science has proven this, but Jesus was, the scriptures are way ahead of it. Gratitude 
It's what opens your heart to the things that God is going to do. You can choose gratitude. You can be grateful. If you notice, like, in, especially in this story, what do you see? Gratitude. How do you, even when they experience joy, what did they respond with? Gratitude. Gratitude is allows your whole heart to be opened to the things of the kingdom. You notice all these verses that talk about whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is worthy, whatever is noble, whatever is worthy of praise, whatever is tr true, like all those things. What do you do? Let your mind dwell on those things. Take those things that are so good and, and be grateful for them, right? Then you see other verses that talk about this is like, you know, this place of consider it all joy, James says. You know, it's like, this is where it's all going. So even this hard time you're going through, it, it's taking you to this joy. So consider this as part of joy. Or we look at the Psalms, like, read Psalms 100. I will enter his gates with... And it just goes on and on about, like, I just choose to be thankful and grateful. Not in some fake, hype-up way or some way that you're trying to get a formula to get back something, but the place that you take what is good and you recognize where it's coming from and you're grateful for that. And you're doing that in the context of relationship. And the last part I just say is this, is understand that joy can be found in your past, in your present, what's going on right now in your life, and in your future. Now, this is, an, this is where I just want you to be thinking about this a lot. Is, do you know where in Scripture how they always had stones of remembrance a lot? They put stones down to remember because God moved in a certain way. Jewish people always would put these. And they go back by it. They walk by the stones and go, remember that? <laughs> when that river parted, remember that? When this happened, remember that? These stones of remembrances. Why is it in there? It's because we're designed to reflect back on what God has done. Look at Psalms. Constantly telling you to remember. Look at the Israelites. Always remembering what God did. Even in the worst places they're at, they'd always be remembering, this is what God did. Because there's this thing about this place of your past that these moments, it says, the world's joy only lasts for a moment. But your joy lasts for a lifetime. What does that mean? It means that I can think, or I'll just give you a joy moment. I used to be very unintouched un with my emotions. Now people think I'm overly in touch with my emotions. But I used to be not in touch with my emotions whatsoever. And, and I had two girls, so that was my challenge. To try, two very emotional girls, right? And they were emotional from the day they popped out of the womb. They're just, they're emotional. And I would literally be so tired from dealing with emotions with my children, trying to act very spiritual, but thinking, <sighs> and they're in bed. And then I would go in bed. And I'd leave their bedroom and I'd look at them and I would just feel, right? You guys know this feeling? Your heart's soft and you begin being grateful for them. And all of a sudden you start feeling joy, right? 
So strangely enough, I used to climb into bed or intentionally fall asleep acting like, I didn't really act like it, I just, sometimes I actually did fall asleep, but sometimes i ready to get up and I'm just going to lay here because I could feel the joy in the room. I didn't want to leave. That was 33 years ago. 30-some years ago. It's still alive. It's still part of me. I can go back to that moment and know who God is and experience God in something that was that far back. It can be, and we can just be, have those things happening all along, so we're just part of how we live. We just, you know, that's why we always encourage you to journal, write things. I have things in my journal that say things like this. I am of sound mind. I'm not in an overly good mood. This actually happened, and I described this thing that God did. Because I know later, when I don't feel like I'm of sound mind, and I'm grumpy, and God seems miles, miles away, I can go back to that and say, that is still true. I can remember. Isn't it a great thing? I mean, that's, what, that's the beautiful thing about having a church being here as long as I... I can look around the room and choke up because I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember all the things that God's done, right? It's just a beautiful thing, but we all can be just having stones of remembrance that we just build all around us, and they don't die off. They become, they, they cause us to know more and more how to practice joy. The second is, you know, he can be found in your present. I mean, today... I didn't think he could be found at Chili Cook-Off, but I found him, all right? At first, I, didn't have, I, didn't, I couldn't find him. How long is this going to be? I got some chili. Hi. But I know, because I'm teaching on it, I've got to practice this stuff. I looked around, and I saw the youth, and it, was my, it made my whole night. I don't know why. I just saw them hanging, and I think they're the coolest people in the world, and all of a sudden, I'm just feeling this joy, right? But it can be anything. It can happen right now. It can happen today. It's all around you. It's just seeing the joy God has and then choosing to be, great, be grateful, because that's where it comes. And that thing you're grateful of starts becoming something that goes deep, and it's, it's God's joy. And the thing is, joy is in the future, too. This is one that really is helpful, especially when life's really hard. <laughs> it's not going to always be this way. It's going to be so good. Do you know when Zechariah listened to this angel, it seemed a little too crazy. So he says, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> Have you read about heaven? It talks... Jesus talks a lot about what's coming and how amazing it is. I mean, a lot. It's going to be places that you can't even get words. I mean, they can't get words on it. Paul's talking about, people are getting a glimpse of this stuff. It's like, whatever's coming, it's going to be so good. No more tears. I mean, whatever this is, this place of all the best that we feel of God coming fully, the, the fullness of the kingdom coming, I mean, that is real, right? And we can actually experience the kingdom of God's future and that joy, that future, breaking in to our present situation. Think about this. Again, we talked about this last week. We'll probably say it again. Jesus, for the joy that was before him, endured the cross. 
It's not saying Jesus was not suffering. It wasn't painful. That he, he was able to have the strength of God's joy because he could know what's coming. He could know what was happening, what the future was. All right, so here's our invitation today. And this is something, we put this up on the website, you can take a picture of you want to, but this is something I want you to do during this week. But we're going to maybe, uh, no, we'll just do it this week. I'm going to explain it and I'll let you do it this week. And we may just pray real quick and go from there. But take five minutes a day, and if you can, but just that, that would be ideal. Five minutes a day. And you get quiet by yourself. And this is really much a lot what Chris did, but we're, I'm just adding a little bit more to it because I felt like we should, this exercise has a lot more things to work on. Five minutes and sit alone, five minutes. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Reflect on the past, the present, or the future. I'd say just pick one of those, right? If you have five minutes. <laughs> if you go longer, you can, but I'm saying five minutes probably can cover one of them. And then ask the Holy Spirit and pay attention to what he brings up in your past, your present, or future. It's something that you, again, you're grateful for. You see, it's a starting point. And as you're grateful for it, you just begin staying in that moment. You don't have to speak words. You don't have to write anything down. You just begin experiencing Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in that moment. You experience letting God show you his favor, his joy in that moment. After it's highlighted and just stay in it. You can do this. It's better not to close your eyes when you're driving. But you can do this when you're driving, right? But you can do it when, but especially when, just when you have some time to yourself. But when you're by yourself, just do this. And you, know, you have to have verbal joy. You can just take it in. And then when you're done, here's what I'd like you to do. When you're done and you've had that experience and you spurred joy, it gives you time. You can keep thinking on it later in the day or whatever. But write down a name for that. Put it in a remembrance stone and say that. The time I used to crawl into bed and lay there and sleep and feel the presence of my daughters, that's a marker. So I put a name on it. But whatever that thing is, you put a name on it. And you can just go back to it anytime you want. And let God show you the depths of joy in that moment. Right? It's a good way of practicing. Just practice being grateful, seeing things, recognize what it is, letting God, his face shine upon you in that moment. Take it in, and then, then mark it. Say, okay, that's a moment that will be eternal.